Welcome to the Shadow Warrior Podcast. I'm the host, Rajiv Srinivasan. Episode 118 is titled, Does the War in Israel Mark the End of Pax Occidentalis? The attack by Hamas on Israel may well be remembered in future as marking the very moment the decline of the West became an indubitable fact. Thus, October 7, 2023 may be a point of inflection in geopolitics and geoeconomics, although it is true that the economic center of gravity of the world has been moving eastwards and southwards in future for some time. The question really goes to the heart of the so-called liberal rules-based international order, which is a nice euphemism for America and friends lay out the rules. To give credit where it is due, this was a pretty good paradigm for the post-World War II period, and it helped much of Europe and East Asia advance economically, although it didn't help India, Africa, or Latin America much, and that was partly due to poorly thought-out self-imposed policies as well. But like all empires and quasi-empires, this one has also deteriorated over time, partly as it was based on the presupposition of overwhelming American dominance. The U.S. was supposed to be the global policeman who could arbitrate if necessary and offer a bracing dose of punishment if someone erred. But that is no longer the case, as the U.S. is bogged down in arguably futile wars. The rot goes much deeper and affects every institution that has been built up by the liberal, rules-based international order. All of us thought that the UN, and in particular the Security Council, would be champions at preserving world order, unlike the hapless League of Nations. But it has been proven to be singularly ineffective, and the media didn't even quote the Secretary General or the Security Council making a pro forma plea for peace in Israel on October 7th. The World Health Organization was another entity that lost much of its credibility in the wake of its hapless performance during the coronavirus pandemic. UNESCO has long since become a woke fortress, shorn of its earlier importance. The World Bank and IMF are so often handmaidens of Western agendas and dogmas. See Confessions of an Economic Hitman that nobody mourns their eclipse as new lending institutions arise. The Nobel Prizes we were brought up to believe were the ultimate and impartial recognition of excellence. Perhaps in the sciences they still have some value. But the moment the Peace Prize was given to Henry Kissinger and Lee Duck who had the grace to reject it, it became evident that it was political. Of course, never giving the Literature Prize to Leo Tolstoy had damaged it way back. Sully Prudhomme got it instead. Sully, yeah, a household name. The less said about the economics price, the better. Just look at the Indian origin uh, winners or the New York Times columnist. I think I can rest my case. In passing, there is this reputation that the Scandinavians have for fair play, partly because of the Nobels, and partly, I imagine, because they're blonde, blue-eyed Vikings. But increasingly, I've noticed that their antics on the environment, how dare you, on politics, we can judge the quality of your democratically via VDEM index. On psychology, 
happiness index, and various other things suggest that some gaslighting is going on. But that's just the way. But that's just by the way. The other institutions that we have always depended on are the media. It is practically given for most of us that the BBC was objective and trustworthy, the Voice of America a little less so, and Pravda was full of propaganda. The New York Times was the gold standard. The Economist and the Financial Times were, if not paragons, worthy of respectful attention, despite charges of manufacturing consent. And the Lancet was impeccable, the very fountainhead of medical wisdom. During COVID, it was stunning to find them endorsing research by an entity called Surgisphere, which I wrote at the time in Pious Frauds, Open Magazine, June 2020, was a naked scam with the intention of deprecating a cheap off-patent medicine called hydroxychloroquine, or HCQ. Let us compare prices. Rupees 6.25 for HCQ. Rupees 30,000 for Remdesivir. That must mean something. Over the last year or so, revelation after revelation has exposed the censorship industrial complex as a handmaiden of governments. Particularly shocking has been the suggestion that the Biden administration has been hand-in-hand with big tech in defenestrating anybody whom the thought police did not like, for example, those who opposed vaccine mandates. To be blunt, you cannot take Facebook slash Meta, Google, YouTube, Apple, Amazon, Wikipedia, or any other big tech outlet as face value, at face value. Parenthetically, and for different reasons, you cannot take anything spewed by chatbots like ChatGPT or Googlebot seriously either. Twitter slash X, after Elon Musk's takeover, seems to be the least compromised news outlet available. But the real kicker comes with Mossad and Five Eyes, and Israel's total unpreparedness for the Hamas initiative. Mossad is legendary for its almost superhuman acts to protect Israeli lives and property, and is the world's most admired intelligence agency. On top of this, there is the Five Eyes intelligence sharing mechanism among the Anglosphere. In the recent past, we have heard a lot about this in the context of Justin Trudeau and Khalistanis. The impression that I, for one, had was that these people were masters at intelligence gathering with sophisticated technical means, including satellite reconnaissance, that could spot any substantial logistics on the ground. It would have taken a lot of organization to gather 5,000 rockets and dozens of pickup trucks and hundreds of fighters, but none of this registered on their signals intelligence or human intelligence? That is hard to believe except for the likelihood that Mossad and the Israeli armed forces have been distracted by the internal squabbles between Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israeli Supreme Court. The usually apolitical security services took sides in what is partly a divide between white Sephardics and brown-slash-black Mizrahi, with religious orthodoxy thrown in. It is a stark reminder to Indians, especially the Indy Alliance, that a house divided will fall. Yes, it is hard to believe the combined might of the Anglosphere did not anticipate the Hamas invasion catastrophe. Maybe they did not want to prevent it? That would be criminal, considering the sufferings of Israeli citizens, civilians, as well as what's to come for Palestinian civilians 
when Israel, as it always does, hits back hard in Gaza. A Jewish writer in tablet magazine, Lil Leibowitz, accused the Israeli ruling class of, quote, cosplaying some game of democratia, complete with uh, donning handmade outfits and ululating about fascism, unquote, and of entertaining, quote, the fantasy that the United States was and always would be their protector, when in fact the ruling party in America has decided that Israel is a liability, end quote. The same magazine in March accused the U.S. deep state of instigating internal squabbles in Israel. That is harsh, but in a nutshell, it suggests that America in particular and the West in general is no longer able to or willing to run the rules-based liberal international order. Thus, the end of Pax Americana and Pax Occidentalis may be here. But that does not make the world a nicer or easier place. Pax Sinica, for instance, could be brutal, as the Tibetans. But it suggests that a Pax Indica in the Indian Ocean Rim is a worthwhile goal for India. 1,200 words, 10th October 2023.